the Ramon Foster Show. I'm your host, Eddie Provident. With me is the man whose name is on the banner, Ramon Foster. Ramon, 4-0 Tennessee Vols. I, I put it on Twitter. I owed you uh, an apology. They look good, man. They look for real. You know what? I took a lot of heat from my Pittsburgh family, man, just because I get it. You, you pit Panthers to the core, even though you're Penn State fans, but <laughs> never mind that. You know what? No, no Penn State we're, fandom here, man. No Penn State fandom here. I, I, I know you are blue and true, man. Uh, no. With that being said, though, man, my Vols are doing pretty good. Top 10 for the first time since 2006. Ranked number eight, right? Number, number eight. eight right now. Seven is no eight or nine, depending on which polls you're looking at. But that's not why we're here today, though, Eddie, right? As, hey, real quick, as a Pitt fan, I'm rooting for you guys now because the more you win, the better it looks for us. So I'll take it. Look, look at you. <laughs> I'll, put the or- I'll put the orange hoodie on. That's no problem. Just backhanded <laughs> as heck with it, man. That's crazy. Oh, uh, man, Moan, speaking of backhanded compliments, at least uh, I don't even have a compliment. I don't even have a backhanded compliment for these Steelers. No. It, this offense is just it's abysmal and so my question to you looking at it from a player's perspective do you where do you pin the blame because I lean towards pinning the blame on Trubisky but I know a lot of people are pinning the blame on Matt Canada man where do you go with that to me it's a little bit of both it it, it really is man I think the things that they did well in the Browns game the pace being able to spread the ball out a little bit. I thought it was good, but I also said this. He listened to us too much, us talking heads, us fans of the game. When it comes down to, look, well, what about Pat? What about, you know, continuing to stick with the pace that you had throughout the game? That was a, a little bit of decision-making, I feel like, on, on, on Mitch's part. The overthrowing's got to stop. The decision-making has got to get a little bit better when it comes down to him. But we were looking at a little bit of the stat line when you look at, like, overall, like, where players are as far as passing yards throughout the season. And right now, you got a guy in Jacoby Brissett barely ahead of him, but he's got more passing yards than he does. He's got four touchdowns and one interception. Like, that's what we are right now when we're speaking about the things that you do for quarterbacks that you might say that are a little bit less than what you need as far as a franchise guy. You look at the way Stefanski, uh, that's their head coach, right, in Cleveland? Yeah. yeah you look Stefanski. at the way he put together a plan for them to go out on a short week and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. They protected Jacoby Brissett wholeheartedly and made him look like, well, dang, he might get another crack at starting in his league. He looked all right, man. He he looked he looked like a very competent NFL quarterback the other night. Yeah. Uh, and that and and I'll be honest with you, I don't think Mitch Trubisky did. And I here's here's my counter to you. Look at the George Pickens catch. One of the best right. catches that I've seen probably since Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch against the Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, yeah, against the Cowboys. Um my problem with that, though, is if you look at the all 22, Chase Claypool's open for a touchdown. Yeah. Dead center yeah. of the field, open for a touchdown. Mitch Trubisky went eight of nine in the first half, not a single throw to the middle of the field. Wow. But receivers were open down the middle of the field. So while I understand that he's not completely, you know, Matt Canada is not uh, innocent here, I still think that, you know, players are getting open. And things are developing downfield. Yeah. Why, so why why do you why are you so you know because I'm going to take your word over my over what I see. Why are you still you know like why are you why is Canada your problem? Well, it's it's because you, you either got to like 
dial it in when it's mm-hmm. practice times. So like, hey, you got to go do these things or create plays where he's got just one or two options. Like you said, if they're not challenging him enough, and I know they are in practice, so maybe it's on him to re- actually receive the coaching that's coming his way. Uh-huh. Then I, I, I kind of say to him, well, where is the freedom at? Or do you take do you take Mitch's freedom away as far as his ability to be on the run all the time? Like, do you make him stop back and say, quick throw, quick throw, quick throw? That's what Brissett had this past weekend. And the only reason I'm bringing him up because you got to pretty much put Jacoba Brissett in the same box as you do Mitch Trubisky, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's yeah. a group of guys that you look at in this league. You probably say Kirk Cousins is in that box with him also. You also got to kind of say uh, Justin Fields, as he stands right now, is in that box also. So what, do you, what have we seen from teams that have those types of quarterback? You put them in the best possible uh, scenarios to be successful. And that's where I feel like, well, it was just one of those things where it's like, well, let Mitch cook. Well, maybe Mitch doesn't need to cook. Maybe he needs to be served dinner in front of him by getting the ball out fast. If he's rolling out, he's got either low, he's got a shallow uh, crossing route to give to him or somebody that's deeper. Like to be able to be standing still and creating down the field, that doesn't seem to be something he's he's capable of doing the way. And I hate to even draw this comparison. But there's one thing that Ben was able to do to where his nerves didn't allow him to, oh, I just got to chuck it. No, I got to sit here if I'm scrambling and I got to be able to see where I'm going. If he sees Chase Claypool down the field, that's a touchdown. Yeah. You know? Yep. And and to your point, uh, putting him in positions to succeed. And, you know, the Steelers went, uh, they only rushed the ball 22 times on on uh, Thursday night. That's sad. And- but here's the thing, Moan. They averaged 4.7 yards per carry on those 22 rushes. Yeah. Why not get Najee Harris more involved? Why not get Jalen uh, Jalen Warren more involved? I know Jalen Warren dropped the ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, he put the ball on the ground. But you know, it wasn't a turnover. And I understand that Tomlin hates that. And I mean, every coach hates it. But why abandon the run like that? You know, uh, I mean, especially I know you as an offensive lineman. That's got to get under your skin a little. It does because you needed to control the game. Now, again, uh, Cleveland started playing well when it comes down to what they were doing. And and this is the other part, too. I think they were more or less trying to get points quick. The quickest way to do that is through the air. So you can't overly fault them for this. Uh, but I will say this, too. It is, to me, the idea that they were overworking to get the receivers involved in the game instead of letting the game come to them, in a sense. I thought everybody had had their touches. George did, Deontay did, Chase did, everybody except for Pat Frymuth, okay? But everybody had gotten their touches. Now it's just like, let the game come to you. It almost looked like there was it was forced, you know, in the sense of to, to make it a, 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 a passing type of game. Mitch comes out and says, well, you know, I, I want to go down the field. And then you have a coordinator that tries to deliver it to him. Meanwhile, Mitch, you got to understand, your job right now, is to simply win us games. Like, you ain't got to go out and be that hero. That's why I'm kind of looking at at Matt Canada more or less and saying to him, dude, know your damn personnel. Mm. That's not a guy that's capable of just stringing it out like that. Give him direct plays. Let him call it and haul it. Those check with me's right now is not going to be something that he's afforded to do because his decision-making and accuracy while on the run of scrambling or taking bad sacks, you don't get that grace. Yeah, it, it almost seems to me like Matt Canada's got to, you know, go with the kiss method to keep it simple, stupid. Because yeah, and until yeah. until they this offense shows any signs of 
they can handle more. Right. Uh, like you said, I love what you said earlier in the in the uh, in the segment. Just you know, get the crossers. You know, get get the short stuff open. You know, get him in a rhythm before yeah. they do anything else. You know. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about Moan's old uh, old position. I want to talk about the offensive line because despite what we've seen and heard, I actually thought the offensive line pretty, played pretty well on Thursday night. Right, welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. Ramon, on Thursday night, the, I, there wasn't a lot to be optimistic about. Let's be real. The the <laughs> Didn't look good. Uh, they couldn't tackle. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't stop. You know the Browns' running game. Two-headed monster. Right. Two-headed monster. Man, that might. That is the best two-headed monster in the league right now. Man, that is a scary tandem. Um, yeah. But the offense came back with not being able to get the ball. You know, get any any movement in the second half. I think four three and outs in a row at one point in time. Yeah. Um, it just there wasn't a lot to be optimistic about. However, and I know you and DK talked about this on Friday in the post-game show, but I want to talk about it with you again. The offensive line actually looked good on Thursday night. Yeah. I, I thought they played well. What did you see from your boys? I saw them fight. Um, I saw them move people around. It looked like for for once, okay, they have been on the same level as far as, like, combination blocks amongst the offensive line. There was communication, and yeah, there was, a, like, a little bit of leakage when it came down to the passing game a little bit. I mean, let's be honest. You got Miles Garrett on the other side. As mm-hmm. much as we know, T.J. Watt is the best defensive player in the, in the league, and it says that because he's got the hardware right now. Miles Garrett is that good, too, okay? Yeah, so yeah. we can't deny that he's that good. Um, but they were on the same page. Um, just all across the board this past week. And they, they had a sense of, all right, we know we've been beat down. We know we got to go out there and prove that we can compete with these guys. And they did, man. So I wasn't opposed to it. The sacks on the night, one go to Mitch and one goes to the backfield. Okay, like that's just where it was. And, and especially on the road in that environment, there was poise, okay, when you looked at that group. If I was with them, <laughs> can I be real for a second? Absolutely. I'd probably go in that meeting room and look at my corrections. I look at what we did and I say, guys, we took a step tonight. We, mm-hmm. okay, weren't the reason why we lost games tonight. Like I it would have to be one of those type of conversations because uh at, within that team concept, there are individual goals and group goals. That to them, they needed a game like that. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. And you know, you brought up Miles Miles Garrett. Um, they held him in check, man. They, they, yeah. he had, uh, I pulled up his stats here that he had, uh, two total tackles, um, two assists, mm-hmm. no sack, no, no sacks, no tackles for loss. Um, you know, he was, uh, he, he was there late on that, you know, on that last QB, uh, the sack, the you know, like yeah. in the, in the hurry. Um, but he, he, they kept him in check. Uh, you know, we talked about in the first segment that the Steelers uh, were averaging 4.7 yards per carry. That's the offensive line, man. Like that's that. Like when you are able to get rip off chunks like that, that's right. that's a lot to do with the offensive line. I, I want like talk about like when you go away when when the offensive line is actually getting a push. And and I right. you know saw it Thursday night. They were getting the push. That was yep. they were moving the defensive line. Um, but when they get that push and then the offense just decides, you know what, we're going to go away from that. We're going to go away from the run game. We're going to try to establish some kind of passing game when you're getting into that rhythm. 
what does that do for an offensive lineman's, uh, you know, the chemistry and the confidence that they're starting to build and, you know, kind of like getting that, that groove and that momentum going. Matt, you said, what does it do when they take it away from yeah, you? When or you when you go away? Yeah. When, yeah. when it's, Matt, it's taken it, away from you and you know, you're, you're manhandling the guy in front of you. Matt, it, 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 it it's, it's one of those situations, Eddie, where it's just like, all right, now we're in survival mode. It makes the job a whole lot harder. It really does when you you're when you you know got good runs and you got a consistency of getting together and you don't necessarily in the moment realize it. You know, you just say after the game, man, we should have. And that's what probably happened in that film study is, man, we should have continued to go to this. But when you're trying to win the game and then, like you say, you have those three and outs here or there, it, it, the flow of what you are doing is a hard reset. And you just kind of really get on board with what the entire team is doing or what the offense is doing. It's not a bad thing. It's just one of those. And I guarantee you Matt Cannon and his staff look back at it and say, man, we probably should have stayed more consistent at that. And, and, uh, to Cleveland's credit, they were making some plays, you know, as mm-hmm. far as their defense goes. It's just, and I, I probably almost feel like any offensive coordinator feel this way. When you got George Pickens, when you got Deontay, when you got uh, Chase Claypool, and you got to throw Najee in there too as far as the run game and Pat Frymuth, you got to be a very humble individual to not call those passing plays as often as you possibly can, especially when you're up against a divisional opponent like the Browns on the road on a short week. I know they probably was thinking, these guys said they want to make plays, so I'm going to give them every opportunity to make plays. But your job as an OC is to manage this game and come out with a dub, however way you think is it's going to be necessary to execute. No, I'm with you, and I really want to see them against New York this Sunday. I yeah. want to see them establish the running game. I want to see them... You know, I I know everybody's been talking about open up the passing game, open up the passing game. They need to take a step back. They need Mm -hmm. to take the step back, understand that they have Najee Harris, in my opinion, one of the top 10 running backs in the NFL, Jalen Warren, who's coming into his own, and now an offensive line that's starting to build some confidence. Some guys that look like I got to shout out Kevin Dotson and the way he's been playing the last couple, you know, the last two games. he? He has stepped his game up. And I want to see these guys, Mason Cole, you know, uh, Chris Halleck just uh, highlighted him in in one of his uh, in his column yesterday in his uh, article yesterday about Mason Cole's blocking and how how well he's been doing. I want to see those interior offensive linemen take that next step. And the way to do that is to establish a running game against the New York Sunday and hopefully build your passing game from that. Facts. I want to see. I'm looking forward to it, man. This will be a good challenge, man. The Jets always will play hard. Um, we'll see if Flacco or if Zach will be back too. Yeah, yeah, could be Zach Wilson. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hey, we're gonna take one more break. Uh, when we come back, it's everybody's favorite segment—the only one that matters. Hey, Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It is the Hey Moan segment, and this one is always brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where it's all about quality. We have three expert chefs to fine-tune every detail so that every sub, burger, salad, wrap, drink, appetizer, anything you want on their menu, it all gets made with fresh ingredients, and it always tastes amazing. Order your favorites at Get-Go Cafe and Market today. Better believe it. Moan. Yeah. I got a good hey moan question for you today because I want you to bury this. I, I, this is this is a I think it's a common misconception from uh, Yinzer Nation, Uh-oh. and I I want it buried once and for all. And I'm going to let you do that. So this question is from Gregory Thomas, 
And it says, hey, Moan, do you think Tomlin not starting Kenny Pickett is because he's not ready? Speaking about Kenny, or is it because of his ego talking about Tomlin and not wanting to admit that he was wrong? I'm just going to let you go. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. So his ego, I actually thought they were talking about Kenny's ego. I was like, wait, he got an ego already. He's not even starting. No, we're talking (laughs) about Coach Tomlin's ego. I'd love to know where that conversation comes from when it comes down to like ego that he carries with him. And and I know it's probably just public perception of what you think Coach Tomlin is and and how you see him, you know, interact with guys or the things that he say. And I'm here to tell you, and I've kind of said this time and time again, and maybe you just don't want to believe me, but the guy doesn't care about how we win or who we use to win. He Mm -hmm. simply wants to win at all time and all costs, okay? The process of, you know, incorporating uh, Kenny Pickett into this offense, into this team, is going to happen. It's going to happen at some point, probably sooner than later as we continue to talk about it. So, And I, I, I'd say this too. I'd almost expect Coach Tomlin to know that's to, to be true also. But there's a method in which you got to go about things. We've said this before. It's Sending a guy out there can be tough as far as rookies, not understanding defenses. It could be tough as far as, all right, the wins, losses. Like, you throw a kid into it, and all they do is straight lose, straight lose, straight lose. Well, I'll say this. I don't think this – well, I know this Steeler situation ain't the same as what Jacksonville Jaguars was when it comes down to Urban Meyer being their head coach with their franchise quarterback. We saw what that looks like, okay? It's about the timing of how and what you do. Why go and scar a guy when it's not – already there let's say this the offensive line is starting to grow up from what we've seen so far we see Najee we see Jalen Warren coming together also imagine those wide receivers going at Kenny Pickett and saying hey throw me the damn ball you think he can actually process and handle that also I don't think so maybe he's getting with those guys right now on the side and they're probably having those conversations like hey man if you get in I got you and that's all you need to know the support of what Kenny Pickett is going to be has to happen before he actually starts the game. Trust me, I've seen this. I've seen you guys kind of say, and I just say you guys, not in the sense of just me throwing you under the bus, but fans be like, you should start this guy. And next thing you know, that guy starts and he's not the dude. And next thing you know, get him out of here. He's a bus. Kenny's maturation. Okay. And let's be real about this too. Having the year that he had coming out of college, there needs to be a reset of him too. And not thinking that this is an easy job. Or look, I had an amazing uh, senior year at Pitt. I was a Heisman finalist. I'm just going to waltz into this. And I'm big dog. No. There's a lot more sometimes than just throwing the ball, spinning it in plays. I I, I was talking to an all-pro safety this morning, Kevin Byer. And the one thing that he spoke on and most guys that talk about in this league is this. The mental side of the game is far more important than the physical side. Knowing what to do, okay? Knowing how to react to certain situations. Just responding to certain situations is more mental than it is physical. Mm -hmm. Kenny has the physical tools. But why throw him out there if he's not mentally prepared for it? Heck, we're seeing Mitch right now be flustered. Why? Because we're not throwing the ball down the field. Guess what? Kenny has to sit back and say, well, let me just be quiet and let the offense come to me. Like, these are the things. So to say that Coach Tomlin is wrong because of ego, 
Sometimes you just got to just let the process kind of play out in situations like this. See, one one thing that I've learned about Mike Tomlin being around the team for the last, you know, last all of last season and now this season, um, I was of the opinion, Ramon, and I'm, I'm not afraid to admit this. I was of yeah. the opinion that it, that it was time for a change at the head coach position yeah. going, in, you know, going into last year. OK, uh, when you factor in the lack of playoff success, when you factor in just a bunch of different things, you know, I thought, all right, maybe maybe his his message is getting stale. Maybe there is a little bit of an ego thing there. Uh, and then I saw him last training camp and I mm. saw how he interacted with those players and I saw how firsthand how he handles these guys and how much these guys respect him. And then I heard you talk about how like off air, you know, you and I yeah. had our personal conversations about how much you respect Mike Tomlin as a man and as a mentor, you know, and, and how every time we've had Kevin Colbert on, we've had uh, John Malecki on. And every time we talk to somebody, these people have nothing but great things to say about Mike Tomlin. I've never heard any of his former players say a bad word about him. Even Antonio Brown, who was supposed supposed to have left on bad terms, speaks yep. very highly of Mike Tomlin. And we've yep. even saw Mike Tomlin messing around with the Antonio Brown dance in the you know in uh, Marcus in Allen's video. Room. Yeah, in the locker room. I don't think that it's an ego thing with with Mike Tomlin. I don't think that that's that is ever the case with Mike Tomlin. That it's an ego trip or that it's a it's not him not wanting to be wrong. You know, one of his famous quotes is we don't seek comfort you know no nope. so he's okay with being wrong that's what that tells me and he and the players respect him i think what this comes down to is a head coach doing exactly what you said just wanting to be careful with a rookie quarterback who is the future of this franchise they they spent a number one pick you know a top 25 pick on this dude they are trying to make sure that everything that they do sets this guy up for future success not you know, yep. not short term stuff. And, and let's be honest about this, too. And I think it got all of us. Everybody to a T that was watching pre-draft probably thought that they were going after Malik Willis. I thought they were 100 percent. They tricked us all, didn't they? 100 percent thought it was going to be Malik Willis. And, and simply because of that, it's probably because they've been doing their study and their homework behind this guy so much. It was like, that's our guy. And we can't let a soul know. Yep. And, and I'll just say this. If you're asking for Kenny. And Kenny goes out there right now and has a performance like Mitch did in um in, in Cleveland mm-hmm. or like the Patriots. Are you still a Kenny Pickett fan? Like, are you willing to deal with that? Are you willing to say it's okay for him to grow up and just us wait on this to happen? Right. Because he's your guy. I don't yep. think Pittsburgh's in the business of redrafting quarterback year after year after year after year like some organizations nope. are. You get nope. this one right one time, and I probably let's be honest, you probably don't see the Steelers going to the Super Bowl this year. But if you stack and build and maybe squeak into the playoffs or have a winning record this year above five hundred, we've seen worse Steeler teams. Yes, that's how you have. got Ben Roethlisberger. Yes, we have, and that's the other thing. I think everybody in Pittsburgh, myself included, because I I, I am one of the people that's been calling for Kenny Pickett. I'm not going to back down yeah. from that. I, th- I think that he would be a better quarterback in this system personally. But Mike Tomlin knows that better than I do. I will be the first to admit that. But what I think with Pittsburgh is we are so spoiled because Ben Roethlisberger comes in after the Tommy Maddox injury, goes out and goes 15 and one. Right. And he actually didn't have that loss. That loss was the Ravens game that he came into. Right. So he goes undefeated as a rookie until he sees Tom Brady and the Patriots. 
and then goes on the second season to win a Super Bowl and then goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. Right. Guys, not every quarterback does that. There are some quarterbacks that go through the growing pains. Look at Aaron Rodgers, sat on a bench yep. behind Brett Favre for what, three uh, years? Didn't yep. start until his fourth year in the season or in his in the in the NFL. It takes time with a lot of these quarterbacks. They don't come out of, you know, they don't come out of the draft firing on all cylinders. Right. So as much as I want to see Kenny Pickett, as much as everybody else wants to see Me Kenny too. Pickett, yeah. It let's 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 Simba just down. tamper it down a little bit. Trust Mike Tomlin. Trust the coaching staff and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so we'll see. But again, you know, it's fun to talk about. It's fun it to is. see what will happen. You know, uh, this is it for the Ramon Foster show today. I will be back with Ramon tomorrow. Uh, DK is taking care of some stuff on uh, on the personal side of things. Um, so it'll be Ramon and I again on Tuesday. Uh, we appreciate you all watching and we'll see you tomorrow.